Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are a woman that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you come to the right place. There are no hard and fast rules and you don't have to call yourself anything. You're just a woman that knows something isn't working for her and you are wanting to make an intentional change. I'm Rachel Pritz, and I'll walk alongside you as you learn to drink less and live more. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, I'm so excited to connect with you. Tell the listeners where you are in the world. So I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, so north of the U S border, um, by like an hour, maybe hour and a half. So, um, yeah. And uh, it is right now a little, it's finally cooling off here. There's been like a mega heat wave for like the last three weeks. So, uh, it's a beautiful day here. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Same in Indiana. So heat wave, um, and we're getting some reprieve from that. So that's been nice. (laughs) So I'm so glad we connected. We actually, I found you on TikTok and just kind of loved a lot of what you were saying. It felt really familiar to me. So I would just love to hear a bit of the backstory because I've only known you as mom rethinking drinking on TikTok Mm -hmm. and just that name alone just sort of sucked me in similar to, you know, my own Mm -hmm. path and the path of many of my clients, you know, is that we're just sort of like, wait a minute, I don't know if this is really working for me as well as I uh, think it is. And so I would just love to hear how you got to where you are today. Cause I would imagine you didn't just wake up, you know, a few weeks ago and, and say, eh, I'm just kind of done with drinking and I'm going to start this whole mom rethinking drinking thing and, and start drinking alcohol free. So just tell me how you got to where you are today um, with alcohol free. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So it started actually, and I've, 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 I've told the story so many times, so I've kind of got it down to a science now. So I don't, cause I like to chat. I like to talk so I could, this could be a five hour story if you want, or <laughs> it could be 10 minutes, whatever. Um, so about two and a half, three years ago, like, so probably just maybe a year, a little bit before COVID started, actually, I had, you know, for 10 years, I had had this feeling in my gut that I was drinking too much, that it was not healthy for me, that I was like, and I didn't like the way you know, uh, it was starting to be become so centralized. And my kids were starting to make jokes about, you know, oh, mom, what, what does mom want for Christmas? Wine, 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 right? Um, I had started drinking a glass of wine, like in my early 20s, like every day with dinner, it was like such so glamorous, you know, when you're in your 20s. And so that, you know, fast forward to a couple of years ago, and I, I just knew it was so unhealthy for me, but I didn't, I was so afraid of like that Google search, you know, am I an alcoholic? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know, you grow, we, our generation of women has grown up with the idea that if you have a problem with alcohol, the only solution is to go to AA. There was no other like conversation. You know, if you went to AA, there was shame. So you, you know, I took that on. I was like, so afraid to like, look into this. And I, now I kick myself. because I'm like, wow, I wish I'd known all this sooner, but in January of 2020, I had downloaded this app and this is hilarious. People listening might actually chuckle at this a bit or, or maybe have used it. There's an app called drinks counter. And I was like, I'm going to download this app and just see how much I'm drinking. like, try, you know, count my drinks and like try and control, like moderate. And obviously that doesn't work when you drink a lot, (laughs) you, you, you know, how much you're drinking. You don't need something to count your drinks. Just a lot, right? If you if you're drinking more than the recommended servings every day or week or whatever, it's you don't need a counter for that. But in that count that app, there was a connection to a group chat, 
and somebody had dropped this uh this note one day saying like they had read they'd been sober for 30 days and they had read this naked mind by Andy grace and i was like oh what's that and i literally dropped what i was doing downloaded the ebook and started reading it right away and i got my mind was blown my mind was blown at all the things that we don't know about alcohol and i felt like the wool had just been pulled over my eyes my whole life when it came to alcohol and i felt like I had this sense of like, we've all been sheep, just following along, never questioning, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the things that are being fed to us. So I did the 30 day alcohol experiment, which is uh, a couple of years ago, Andy Grace just had it as an online thing. I think she has an app now for that, but um, that really worked well for me to, to take that break. And then, you know, I kind of, I, I look back now and I call it rethinking drinking because it, it wasn't an instant, like I need to quit cold Turkey. I did the 30 days. Um, you know, I had a, I think I had a glass of wine at the end of that, just as like, Hey, you know, great. And then over the next eight months, I, you know, maybe a couple once or twice a month would have a drink here, a drink there and, and felt yucky about it. Like didn't feel good about it. I was like, I don't like this. And so it was just every time I had uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say I fell off the wagon, but it was an anniversary dinner. It was going out with a girlfriend. You know, my girlfriend pushed me to drink. My husband said, let's buy a bottle of wine. And so you do that. And then the next morning I was like, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this. You don't feel good. It brings back all those feelings of like yuckiness. And thank goodness I had read this naked mind and already done the alcohol experiment and started digging deeper into these issues, the issues that were causing me to reach for a bottle of wine. Um, so by December of 2020, I was like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I really am like, I don't like, I don't like drinking anymore at all. And, you know, I could count on both hands the number of times I had drank in eight months. And at Christmas dinner, my daughter said to me, I had bought a bottle of wine for the table and it was COVID. So there was nobody at our house. It was me, my husband, and my two kids. And my husband doesn't drink wine. So who was the, who was this bottle for? <laughs> who was going to drink wine, right? Like it was obviously for me. But I kept, I kept in my head, it was such an ingrained habit. You can't have Christmas dinner without a bottle of wine on the table, right? Mm. And um, my daughter kind of looked at me after I was, you know, I was drinking my one glass that I had said, I'm just going to have one. And she looked at me and she's like, I'm so disappointed in you. Like she had seen how much I was like working at this. And she's like, I'm so disappointed in you. And that was it. That was the last time I drank. I was wow. like, I am, I am not going to let my daughter see how much this is controlling me. And I am, I want to show her that I'm stronger than this. And that, that was literally the moment where I'm like, that's it. And then some good clean fun launched shortly after that, because I really wanted to share this idea of like rethinking drinking, rethinking where it is, what role it plays in our life, what role it plays in society as well. And, um, you know, rethinking, rethinking it all rather than like, you need to quit drinking, you need to get sober. It's like, it took me eight months to rethink my relationship with alcohol. And, you know, I look at Annie Grace often says, like, if you get one question wrong on a math test, you still got 99%. You right. didn't fail. <laughs> right. So every time, yeah. So every time I would have that, like, have a glass of wine in that eight months, I would kind of, I wouldn't excuse it, but I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm still 90, I'm still passing. I'm still getting 98% on this test. I just really want to get a hundred. And it took my daughter to say, say that to me. That was like, just that brought me to the hundred percent of like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't feel good about myself. I I'm setting a bad example. And, uh, and then uh, since then it's been amazing. It's been such a wonderful, you know, I, I can't, I want to shout it from the rooftops, you know, just that rethinking drinking as a mother 
and as a woman is like literally the best health move, the, the best move that you can make for your, your overall health and well-being in, in all the different areas. Yes. Well, that is incredibly relatable to me. Very similar story. I decided to start the experiment very similar to you. I actually didn't discover any grace till later on in the journey. Um, but I just thought, I just, I just want to experiment here. I want to see what it's like. I mean, I've other than pregnancy, I had never really taken long breaks from alcohol. So I didn't even know what it felt like to not be a drinker. And so I was just interested in experimenting. So I really appreciate you sharing that this was not like an overnight fix and you took a 30 day break and it was all done. Like there was a lot of experimentation, a lot of learning. Mm -hmm. And I think that we don't give ourselves enough grace as adults, um, to learn, right. We don't have, we don't give ourselves enough grace to say, we're still, we are still learning. We're going to learn till the day we die. And that is absolutely okay to still be learning. Um, and that's and exactly so, and, yeah, what this yeah. is. That's exactly what yeah. this is. Um, yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of women, they're so focused on career or children, um, and other, other things like serving mm-hmm. others that we forget that we're allowed to not know everything right. and that you still don't know everything about yourself either. And one of the things actually this is just top of mind for me. It's, it's kind of related, not related, but one of the things that I, like I've, I've made it to 45 year old, five, 45 years old. And I've realized that I've always been very jealous of those women who have their, their tribe, their crew, their squad, like those girls that are like ride or die, you know, and a lot of, you know, I don't have that. And I realized through this process, you know, speaking about learning about myself that I was always showing up very inauthentically my whole mm-hmm. life, I've been showing up inauthentically, like since I was little, still don't know why, still working through that. But you know, put taking alcohol out of the equation helped me to learn more about myself. So you can you have to learn about things. But you also have to learn about yourself. And we never give ourselves enough permission or time because we're so focused on our careers, on our kids, on our family, on our house, on our pets, and you know, our, our neighbors and our community. And then we forget you, you were still growing and evolving as human beings and you need to take the time to learn about yourself. And so that was a big learning for me was that, um, you know, this is why I have always struggled with friendships because I'm, I've never been my, my true, like authentic self. Yeah. So how on earth would you find the tribe if like you weren't really showing them who you are, you yeah. know? So yes. yeah. 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 Uh, and alcohol, that is so relatable. Like, yeah. Yeah. Alcohol masked that. So like, you know, I, the FOMO, the fear of missing, I actually, um, this is really vulnerable what I'm going to say. And so like, I I haven't, I've never actually told anybody this on a podcast. So this is, uh, this is funny, but I, um, I was just looking back at some of my old journals and I didn't journal too much. I did more of them. And we can get to that later, like mindful, uh, great gratitude and mindful exercises, like thinking into results. But the one thing that I wrote down when I was kind of doing the alcohol experiment of reasons for drinking and stuff was FOMO, like serious FOMO. I was so lonely, lonely all the time, um, you know, that I was using. So the bottle of wine was like the friend that never let me down. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I'm like, that was one of the things that really, I remember that moment when I dug deep and realized that about myself, I was like, oh, wow oh my God, like this mic drop, you know, that I always relied on that bottle of wine is like, that's my, that's, it's not my friend, but it's like, it's a, it's kind of like a friend that never let me down. And if I, if, you know, this FOMO, like 
there, there was nothing happening that I was missing out on, but it was this built-in FOMO in my mind that I was missing out on things outside in the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I had to really challenge the social side of things, um, with my, with my, you know, sort of retraining my own thinking, because I really had this belief system of like, if you go out for dinner with friends, you have to have drinks. Like that's how you have fun. And yep. two years into this whole thing, I have gone out with tons of friends for dinners and they have all the drinks they want. And I have zero and have, you know, I'll get mocktails at restaurants, which there's some lovely ones here locally. There's some really great uh, restaurants that are really dedicating some energy to zero proof, you know, which is really awesome to see. So I still get to have that experience, but I'm completely clearly clear headed. My personality doesn't change, which is so fascinating to sit back and watch when you aren't drinking and I don't have any judgment towards it. It's just a reminder that that also happened to me. I repeated myself. <laughs> I changed who I really was. You know, I didn't tell the truth often. You know, I was sort of morphing into what I thought the group needed me to be. And, yeah. you know, so I sit back now and I'm like, oh my gosh, I did all those things, you know? And so, gosh, it's just such an eye opener. I would say at the beginning, probably the first year or so, maybe not even a full year, maybe more like eight months. I really did have that FOMO big time. Like I felt like I was being deprived of something. And when I flipped that script of like, I'm not being deprived of anything. This is a reward, like not waking <laughs> up with a hangover and not changing my personality. And, you know, all these things, not repeating myself or wondering what I said, or, or not experiencing the shame the next morning this is an absolute reward. Like, what have I been doing? And that was sort of a game changer for me to really shift that narrative, which like you, to your point earlier, that I think our society has really sold us and we have taken it hook, line and sinker that alcohol is required for all things, celebration, grieving, you know, happy situations, yeah. all the things. Everything. And it really isn't happy, true. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, like, you know, the HALT <laughs> acronym that, I, that people yes. I, I yeah. think that the official, the official one is like hungry, angry, lonely, tired. But I was yeah. like, yeah, hungry, happy, angry, feeling awesome, lonely, lethargic. Like I added all these things because it's yeah. like every single emotion. It, women have been trained to be like, I'm going to have some wine. 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 Like it's actually getting so boring now when I see women on, on TikTok and, and Instagram who are like, Oh, wine! I'm having my wine. I'm like, Oh my God, get over yourself. Like, <laughs> this is so like, like, so last decade, almost like I actually, there's an article yeah. out there about like the wine mom is becoming passe. And I agree completely. Like it's, it's uh jump the shark. I like to call it. It's like too much now it's gone too far. Yeah. Um, I was going to say your, your shift um, I love mindset shifts. And so that's huge. What you just talked about was this, this idea of like flipping the switch and shifting your mindset to like, um, uh, missing out versus reward and punishment versus reward and how we're, we're like wired as people, I think to always be like, Oh, this is bad. This is bad. Like I'm missing something. I'm missing something out on my, in my life. We, we haven't been trained and that's why gratitude journals are so popular because it's like, we have to remind ourselves of all the good things. And yeah. when you're, when your vision is kind of like blurred by drinking all the time, or, you know, you're kind of going through life, either feeling crappy or hungover or whatever, or thinking about when is it going to be wine time? You're, you're missing out on uh, the, the, the reward, like looking at the good side of things. And I love that you did that because it's so powerful. Yeah. Well, and I felt alone in this space as well. And so I didn't 
know there was any help out there. You know, I had talked to a few people about it and they're like, well, sounds like you, if you think there's a problem, you must be an alcoholic and you should go to AA and similar to none of that resonates for me. I listen to people talk about it and I'm like, none of this feels even close to relatable for me. And so when I started openly talking about it, I discovered how many people were out there that were in a similar situation, you know, not rock bottom, but they're just like, something is not adding, this is not adding value to my life anymore. And I want to really explore that. And so yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was interesting because I felt so alone, but when I started talking about it, I recognized how incredibly not alone I was. Like there were many people out there doing this. I agree with you. I think we're total early adopters on this. So I think, you know, <laughs> 20 years from now, this will look completely different. And I think whenever you're an early adopter to something, it can feel really hard because you're pushing yeah. against sort of that societal norm and what's socially acceptable And so, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's challenging for sure, but yeah, I think in the future, this will be looked at as completely normal. We won't see as many wine moms, um, you know, on, on social media talking about how that's the only way to get through their day. Yeah, I think so. And I, so earlier before we started chatting and I'm just going to bring everyone up to speed, I had mentioned that I thought that we are similar to the the vegan movement, which, you know, 20 years ago, if your neighbor was a vegan, you automatically assumed that they were a hippie. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, now yeah. it's totally normal. People understand the benefit of eating more um, legumes for protein and less red meat and meatless Monday and beyond burgers and beyond meat and all that kind of stuff is, is very mainstream now. And so we're, we're actually in a very interesting um, time because we're still we are early adapters 100%, but where it took 20 years for like companies to start making beyond beef burgers, like veggie burger type things, um, mm-hmm. they're already, we're already the alcohol free and non-alcoholic spirits world is already leaps and bounds ahead. So like the people are, you know, maybe not moving as fast as the actual drinks industry is like the, you know, to, to provide some of those options. Yeah, totally agree. And I love that analogy of the, the vegan. Um, you know, it's funny, my husband 15 years ago would have said like, I would never be vegan. Who eats a black bean burger? This is disgusting. <laughs> my husband still the, says that. My husband still says that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was the first one to line up with some of the beyond burgers and he's like, look what I brought home. And I was kind of like, what? I mean, like what a culture shift <laughs> for all of us and for him to get there. I mean, I was like, wow, that's awesome. So that's yeah. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to shift gears into the alcohol-free side of things because you talk and write a lot about alcohol-free options. You have never steered me wrong. So every time you say this is a really great this and you, you know, put in your little tasting notes and, you know, your experience with it, it's always been right. I've gotten it. And I'm like, she's right. This is spot on. So, (laughs) so I really want to talk about how that has supported this journey with, with, you know, uh, getting rid of the alcohol, not the ritual. You know, I, I really recognized in my own journey that I was not dependent on alcohol. Once I got through the first 30 days, I actually think when we drink every day, we are dependent. I don't care who you are. You know, I don't care if you have a substance use disorder or not. Um, you know, I do think that like, there's something that happens to us, you know, chemically and physically that we do get dependent yeah. on it. Everyone. And so once, yep. once you can get clear of that and you have that first, you know, 30 day break, it was like, okay, well, I'm not dependent on it, but I really miss the habit. Like I miss pouring a pretty drink in a pretty glass and sitting down at the end of the night and watching my favorite show or doing whatever that is that felt still very comfortable to me. And so I recognized that the alcohol wasn't what I wanted. I wanted the ritual. So how, you know, how did you get to where you are today and how did alcohol-free options really help support you? 
Yeah, actually, so the, um, I always say wine got in the way of me becoming a sommelier. So isn't that funny? Um, wine got in the way. Like I, I years and years ago when my son was born. Um, so this was a be this was like 10, 10 years ago. So I was really interested in this idea of like, I hated being, uh, having a wine list and not understanding anything on it. It really drove me crazy when I get this wine list of 30 wines and I'd be like, okay, I'll just have the Shiraz, even though I hate Shiraz. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I was actually kind of going down that route of becoming more interested and more curious. And so I'd have these wine tastings at my house with neighborhood women. It would just turn into a free for all. Like we'd drink four or five bottles of wine. We'd be completely hammered. Like, and I was trying to take it seriously. And my friends were just like, yeah, no, we're going to, we're, we're, we're kind like, they were kind of playing along with me doing blind tastings. And, but then by the end of the night, we would just be like, is there any more wine in the house? Like we just finished right. five bottles. Is there any more? So, um, I ended up kind of dropping that just, I got busy with life. My kids got, and also I just got busy drinking wine. I drank through my stock of like, I had probably 50 high end, you know, expensive bottles that I had spent years sourcing. And I just started going through yeah. them. I'm like, I want to, I want to drink these. And so when I decided to, when I chose, when I made the choice to be alcohol free um, and, and follow this lifestyle, it was so dismal to me. The idea of spending the rest of my life drinking sparkling water, I couldn't believe that that was it. I couldn't oh, believe same. it. Like, I was like, yes. I couldn't believe it. So I was like, no, there's got to be an option. And so what I started doing in my kitchen, this was in 2020. So think about this. This was like the second month of the third month of the, of, of the pandemic, I was like in my kitchen here in Toronto, you had to line up at grocery stores for like an hour to get in, even in like that for the, the you know, three, four months in. And, um, I would be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to replicate a cocktail or a wine or something. And so I was cooking up things, mixing things. I learned how to make shrubs. I learned, which is a drinking vinegar. Um, yeah. I started using a, you know, I learned that ACV is a really great way to kind of boost the zing you're looking for in that, in the drink. Um, I started, uh, putting in a drop of hot pepper sauce into things to get the burn that you get from alcohol. And then yeah. uh, I kept, I kept saying like, um, you know, there's gotta, like, I, there's, maybe I'll make my, maybe I'll invent my own like alcohol-free spirit. And then all of a sudden the market started catching up with me. And I started finding mm -hmm. out that there was, the UK was like five years ahead of us. And there's all these, there was all, there were all these spirits and wines and beers and things in the UK. And some were slowly starting to be developed in the US. And then I heard about liars from Australia. And Ugh, so in 2020, yes. yeah, in 2020, you couldn't get any of those things in Canada. And I couldn't go to the US because of COVID to pick anything up. So I was yeah. literally like, looking at things from a distance thinking, God, this sucks. And I want, I want some of that. And so um, when I, what I realized was, and back to your sort of original question, it was the ritual. It was the, the need to sit down and relax with something. And so, you know, the funniest part of all this is you realize that what you need to really relax is not the glass of wine necessarily. It's the 15 minutes on the couch just sitting and, and relaxing like that's right. actually what you need and wine was a shortcut so it was like um I, I can't think of a good analogy but wine was basically that people you I used it for sure as a shortcut to re relaxation yeah Rather so you can hotwire it like I can get there yeah. in in five minutes with that first glass of wine instead of yeah. 20 yeah 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 and, sure. then, and then and then you're, you need more and more and more to keep in that relaxed state when 15 minutes on the couch and that like much more gentle, like easing into like relaxation. And that's what I figured out. I'm like, I need, I just need to eat some chips on the couch. Like it has nothing to do with drinks <laughs> at all. 
it's yeah. not going to hurt if I have a glass of great non-alcoholic wine. And here in, in Toronto, there's gross, like gross non-alcoholic wine in the grocery yeah. store. And yeah. uh, I would take that and I would like hack it. I would put like, uh, oh my God, what, like bitters into it. That helps yeah. actually using like a bitter. Um, what else would I do? I did a bunch of other things. Like I would, I, I was always looking for the solutions. I'm like, how can I make this, this gross wine better? Or I would make my own, like I would mix cherry, like tart cherry juice with uh, ginger ale, for instance, which is like an awesome, awesome solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, so long story short, once things started coming into Canada, I felt more confident that I could use some good, clean fun to really help people understand that it's not gross. There's lots of awesome options out there. And I'm using my training as, you know, I took a few courses and stuff in wine tasting back in the day. And so I'm using some of that very basic knowledge of varietals and using research skills too, to like, you know, try and understand a little bit more about the grape varietal and that kind of thing while, when I'm writing this so that I'm giving people a full, um, you know, full scope of information about the wine uh, or about the product and um, taking it seriously. I actually had somebody say to me, um, this person was from a, from a brand and they said, we really love that you're taking this seriously. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, because it's a serious product. Right. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Cause I was, I was a bougie wine drinker too. I mean, like I was not <laughs> drinking the, the cheap stuff for sure. And I similar to you, I was interested in it, you know, it was like, that seems really fun to me. And it felt like almost like a hobby. So you have to let go of that too. Is like, this is like wine drinking was a hobby for me. And so when I shifted into the alcohol-free world, you're right. Especially similar to me, you know, I started in 2020 as well. There were just some really terrible options. I mean, I have kissed a lot of frogs before I got to some princes <laughs> for sure. And, you know, similar to you, I started like just getting interested in it and like, well, I'm going to mix up my own thing and I'm going to add this and I'm going to do this. And, you know, I found some, uh, you know, recipes online. I'm like, you know, I think I can still have fun with this and just take out the alcohol. Right. And so, so, you know, I did something very similar. So I think there is sort of a fear there. I had to get through that, that mindset shift, the other mindset shift. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but was the cost. So when I would go in and buy a nice bottle of non-alcoholic wine, I would, I would think, gosh, why am I spending 20 or $25 on a bottle of, on a bottle of non-alcoholic wine? And so I had to challenge the fact that the, that the alcohol was adding value. That's not what was adding value. It was the ritual that was adding value to my life and the experience. So I'm like, okay, so hold up. I'm willing to pay anything for that. You know what I mean? Like if I, and so, and I paid way more than that for other bottles of wine with alcohol in it. And so there was just this, this whole shift. And I remember the one time we went to, we have a total wine near our house. I don't know if they have those in Canada or not. But no, they're, no, it's, that's a U.S. Uh, U.S. only chain. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they, um, you know, they've expanded their alcohol-free section, you know, quite a bit over the last couple of years. But when we first went, and you know, I bought a bunch of stuff, and my husband bought, you know, his bourbon and his stuff that he likes to drink, and we got yeah. to the checkout line, and he was like, "How much was that alcohol-free stuff?" And I'm like, "What's well, about the same as you know other alcohol?" And he's like, "Well, why would you spend that on?" something that doesn't have alcohol in it, you know? And so it was like, Oh, like that, that has to be a real mindset shift too. And it's like, I think it all comes down, boils down to, for me anyway, that the alcohol adds value to my life. And when I really questioned that, when I questioned sitting on the couch, drinking the glass of wine and I thought, Oh, I need this to relax. 
that wasn't true. You know, so similar to your experience, oh, I could relax just by resting, you know, like that's actually yeah. what I need. And as a mom yeah. and a high achiever, I'm always doing all the things, right? And so it's yeah. like sitting and, and resting. And your feels... kids like never let you rest, right? Like they, yes. they never let you rest. And I think that that part right. of that is like being able to set that, once you have a bit of a clearer head, you're like, this is my boundary, guys. I'm going to my yeah. room. I am closing the door for 10 minutes. You are not to disturb me or else all your screens are getting taken away, young man. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> right? well, I think the and, word boundary is right. There's been so many boundaries I've had to set around this particular thing. You know, like I've, ha- I've learned to really set some really healthy boundaries. I did have to yeah. tell someone very close to me at one point, they asked me multiple times when I was going to drink again. And they kind of were pressuring me a bit, even when we would go out places. And I finally just said, I am not going to be drinking in the foreseeable future. And I need you to not ask me again. And that was it. And they respected that boundary. And they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize that that was bothering you. And I'm like, right. It was. So now, you know, I've told you what I want. Yeah. yeah, People think it's a joke. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving, I'm, you know, I'm doing a dry month or whatever, or you're like, I'm doing 30 days without drinking. And then you know, you, you keep going and maybe it's 60 days or 90 days or whatever. And people are like, Oh God, is this, is your thing over yet? Is your, is your like dry spell done? Like they don't right. realize how serious it is. They think it's a, uh, they kind of shrug it off. Like, Oh God, she's going, you know, going dry for 30 days. You know, what a spoiled yeah. sport or whatever. Like what a, <laughs> right. we don't want her at the party because she's going to, you know, she doesn't drink or like it, it, I think people don't realize that when somebody is saying, and this is another thing that's normalized need, needs to be denormalized is, when somebody says I'm, I'm taking a break from drinking for 30 days, that it's not a, it's not something to be taken lightly. It's something that should be like, Hey, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Good for you. Let me know how you feel. Let me know how it goes. Like, maybe I'll try it. Like there should be a better conversation. I'm not, and you don't have to be sober to not drink and, and take a label on. I think people just, um, right. They get scared. <laughs> they also get scared when you're like, I'm taking a break from alcohol. Oh God, does she have a problem? You know, <laughs> for so sure they're joking about it because they don't want you to have a problem. They're your friends. They don't want you to have a problem. So they're like, they're joking mm-hmm. about it in hopes that it's just a, a blip. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think the social side of things, once I got through those conversations a couple of times, like two years out now, I'm like, that really, you know, I was so afraid of all of those conversations that I was going to lose friends and people would judge me and all those things. Really, none of that stuff came true. You know, I mean, I'm in my 40s. I kind of have that established group of friends. And I'm, you know, I've actually made a lot of friends through this journey, you know, just openly yeah. talking about it. And then people are like, hey, I'm interested in that. Tell me about how you did it. It's how I yeah. shifted my business. You know, I used to coach executive women, I still do. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, like that was, that was the core of my business. And so, um, I sort of shifted into this conversation and started being vulnerable and just talking about it. And I mean, I can't even tell you the number of professional women that have come out of the woodworks, um, women that are experiencing menopause and they feel like crap. And the only solution is to drink wine, you know, but then they feel even crappier and, you know, it's like, so there's, there, it's been a really great, you know, shift just in my business, but I've loved the conversations I've had. Like I've had some really deep conversations. It's interesting when somebody says they're not drinking in 2022, um, to your point, it's kind of like boring to be the wine mom. Like that's played out. We're done with that storyline, but to be a mom that chooses not to drink, but also chooses to drink something really beautiful that just doesn't happen to have alcohol in it. Like, that's pretty cool. Tell me more about that. You know? So I've really, it's really sparked some amazing conversations. 
Um, oh, I do God. some, some well-being talks cause I'm a nurse by background, which to your point about Annie Grace's book, I mean, as I started educating myself on alcohol, I was downright embarrassed at my yeah. level of knowledge <laughs> around what alcohol does to our body. I mean, I was so embarrassed. Exactly. I, I have a master's degree in nursing and practiced nobody for a long, long, long time. And yeah. it feels like nobody talks about it. I, I mean, I sat and, and, you know, coach people through smoking cessation all the time, you know? Oh my gosh, well, we can't have you drink. I can't have you smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. This is really bad for your health. Um, we didn't even address the alcohol side of things. Like it was so interesting to me. So it was like, wow, this yeah. is huge. You know I mean? I just another, feel like that was huge. Another book that just reminded me, I want to put this out there for people because, so I know everybody's talked about atomic habits. I have never read that book, but I know it's really good. But the book that I read was called The Power of Habit by Charles, um, yeah. I want to say Grunig, Grunig or Gray, I forget what the last name is, but he, it is such an incredible book because he talks, and I'm going to just do this little quick, um, descri uh, describe the story in it, because that is the thing that was like a mic drop for me. In part of the book, he he talks about this this fellow who, in the I think it was the, eight, it was the 80s or the 90s, I think early 80s, who completely lost his his all memory long-term and short-term memory. Like he, this, this man had had an accident and he had to have 24 seven, somebody with him 24 seven, because he literally had no ability in his mind to retain information. And that, that ability had completely lost him. So every day he would walk with his um, handler, whoever was with him, he would walk the same path around the neighborhood. One day his wife came into the house and realized he was missing. And everybody started freaking out, where is he? He had walked the same path that he walks every day. They found him on his route, on his walking route that he had never done by himself, that mm. he was unable to physically remember, like verbally remember what that route was. And what they realized is how deeply embedded these systems are. Habits are so deeply embedded in our brains that a man who has no ability to, to keep retain memory of things was able to his body was able to take him around that block around that, <laughs> that route around his neighborhood and that was the mic drop for me where I'm like when I was five years old the embedding started or yep. my parent my parents didn't drink really at all my, my grandfather passed away from alcohol abuse when my um, mom was about 12 years old so um, the household was locked down on alcohol like my dad I saw him drink wine once in a while and a beer once in a while but there was no you know uh, drinking in my house but in society so if there yeah. was no drinking in my house what influenced me at that like I, I I remember as early as 10 years old adoring the idea of somebody having a glass of wine yeah <laughs> where did that come yeah. from? and that's where this imprint is and so sorry I I digress a bit but it's really important to read stuff like this Annie Grace power of habit atomic habit whatever it is and really understand yeah. Um, I've met um, nutritionists and dietitians who also said the same thing that it's never you, the level of information taught about alcohol is is slim to none in those mm -hmm. professions as well. And so um, you're not alone out there. There's probably lots of nurses too that are like, wow, what <laughs> alcohol does what to us? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think to your point, I think just educating ourselves and there's so much great quitlet out there, or even just, you know, the stuff around habit change. I work a lot with clients who have such a deeply ingrained unconscious belief around alcohol. 
And I had to bring a lot of my unconscious beliefs to the surface and make them more conscious. So like challenging the idea that alcohol is bringing value into my life, because mm-hmm. that was just an automatic response. Like my brain just automatically believed that. Cause I watched it in media that I consumed as a kid. Yeah. I watched it, you know, in, yeah. in college and, you know, like all, all the movies, it was like, you go to college and you party, you drink. That's the way you party mm-hmm. is to drink. Yeah. And that's how you have fun, you know? And so it was like, gosh, I mean, that was trained similar to you. And that was such an unconscious belief system that I had to tap into. And so I think that's a really important point to bring I'm up that we to. have to bring those things out to the consciousness, right? We have to say, what do I believe here? Yeah. And I think I'm trying like with some good, clean fun, I'm trying to change that, like make it unconscious, sort of an unconscious Mm -hmm. belief that you can be yourself and go to a party and have a glass of wine. It's, it's not the alcohol. You can have a glass of non-alcoholic wine. Like you can have something to drink and it's that. Yeah. So it's the, the unconscious belief that you have to have alcohol to, you know, like how deeply embedded that is, that it's part of our life. And like trying to unravel that and create that unconscious, that unconscious belief that like showing up as yourself is all the fun that you need. <laughs> you like you are yeah. the fun. You are bringing the fun to the party when you are fully yourself and present. Like that's fun. Yes. And part so part of my program, there's four pillars. One of them is self-love. And I really think that we can't be our authentic, our authentic selves unless we love our authentic, authentic selves, right? We have to love who we actually are in order to bring that out. So I love that that's sort of an underlying message in what you do every day. Um, keep doing it. I think there's more and more of us out there, but we just need um, to help people feel less alone. You know, the word sober never really worked for me. That's why I call myself sober-ish because I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, I don't even know what to call myself because I don't fit in any of these categories or with any of these terms. And so, you know, like I had to sort of just figure out what it meant to me, like what it did mean to me authentically to be where I'm at and how to describe that. And so, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, I just think there's more and more of us needed in the world because I do think that there's, there's going to be people behind us that still need to hear all these messages. You know, it's easy two years into it for us to kind of be like, Oh, you know, like on the other side of it, it wasn't that hard, but in the thick of it, (laughs) it was hard. I mean, I really wish I had somebody to walk alongside me with it, or even a friend that was willing to walk alongside me, you know, I mean, it was really hard. So I'm, so I'm so grateful I did the work and I'm, and and honestly, it's, Mm -hmm. it's really impacted me in so many ways, not just like, Oh, I just don't drink alcohol. But my confidence is so much better. My sleep is better. My stress is so much lower. My patience is there with my kids. You know, there's just so many of these benefits where I'm like, what the hell was I doing? Like I I was wasting so much of this time. And so it's really great to be on this other end. But for those people listening that might be curious about starting this, I would say, just look at it as an experiment and you're learning and just taking note of the things that are working, the things that don't work all objectively. Like we don't have to get into, oh my gosh, see, I had that glass of wine. I'm terrible. You know, we don't have to get into all that. We just have to say, I had a glass of wine. I wonder why that's really interesting. Why did I have a glass of wine? Yeah. Yeah. And feeling crummy about it is like just part of that self-love thing. It's like, you need to love yourself, whether you've had, like, don't, don't give yourself. I tell my, my teenage daughter all the time, like, don't say negative things to your brain because your brain believes that it doesn't know what's true and what's not your actual subconscious brain doesn't know if it's what what you're telling it is real or not and then it it makes you behave in relation to what you're thinking about so if you're telling yourself i suck i failed 
it's not setting you up for success. And you're not loving yourself. You're not giving yourself empathy. You're, you have to tell yourself, I had that glass of wine. I wonder why I, you know, I, I'm going to be, I am so powerful that I'm look at me and look at how powerful I am to be assessing this in my life. I think it's, where's your personal power in this equation? Don't give it up. Don't give it to alcohol. You, you keep your personal power. I think that's really important. Oh my gosh. Yes. I actually just had a conversation with the client yesterday. He was running a little late and he texted me and just said, I'm an idiot. And I wrote back and said, Hey, I'm not going to let you talk to my friend that way. And he, (laughs) he got on the call and he said, that was really funny. And I said, look, you would never say that to anyone else, to a friend, even to probably a stranger. Um, and you're willing to say that to yourself. And when you say it to yourself, yeah, you're to your point, your brain will believe everything you tell it unless we question it. So, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's so, it's so sad, sad, but true. And I think, um, before we sort of sign off, I wanted to just circle back on the non-alcoholic drinks. So, because I, I wanted to say something earlier and I totally, you know, we got, we started talking, we, well, we could talk else. for, you know, we could have like 45 episodes of this, totally, so, you know, totally, yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. And so for the non-alcoholic drinks for anybody kind of, who's like, well, that's great, but like, where do I find them? And, and we were talking about cost. So number one, I just want to like, tell people like the reason why non-alcoholic things are, are higher in price than regular, you know, boozy stuff is um, a lot of the brands you're seeing are small brands. So they have to price a bit higher to make it, right. to make it viable. Um, because big, there's not a lot of products coming out from the big brands yet. And the ones that are coming out are priced really low because it's based on volume. Um, -hmm. so that's number one. So, uh, there's a lot of them are small craft breweries, things like that. Number two, if you have wine, non-alcoholic wine, it, it has already started as wine. So the process has had to be, you know, they've had, they've had to make the wine and then they've had to add on craftsmanship um and all these other things to take out the wine they've had to add on add in machinery um processes in their plant uh you know a winemaker so skilled professionals to like take the remove the wine oh sorry remove the alcohol from the wine so it's a double process and that's why it costs more because it actually costs so much more to produce a non-alcoholic wine than it does to just make a regular wine Oh my gosh. I love that. That was something I did not know. So I really do appreciate that. I think it also sort of speaks to my heart of supporting creativity. I think it's very creative to figure out how to make this work. Right. And I love creativity also supporting small businesses, right? Like they're trying to, to, to fill a need in a market and it's going to take time for some of those pricing things and, and those things to level out. I do think 20 years from now, um, we won't be paying what we pay today um, for really for sure. good alcohol-free options. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would ask yourself, like, what amount of money are you willing to place on feeling great and having confidence and sleeping well? And you know, it's like, what amount of money would you put on that? Most of us would pay a lot for that. Um, I think so, so. Really, yeah, yeah, like challenging that. But I love that sort of like how that works because I think most of us, myself included, didn't know. You know, it's like, hey, look, yeah. somehow this just got on the shelf. You know, here's this <laughs> yeah. alcohol-free yeah. wine that must have been so easy for them to do. You know, yeah. So, and people, yeah. Like, people always ask me that, like, why is it? So this is a very common thing, and um, it's yeah. like everybody, everybody wants to know why is it expensive. Well, and it's a premium product. If right. you are especially the, the Audrey Hepburn of wines, which is uh-huh. the lights, Eins, uh, Eins Y Zero Riesling. So for anybody yeah. out there interested in a really great white, um, I call it the Audrey Hepburn of wine because it's such a great product. It's imported from Germany. 
whether you're in Canada or the US, it's imported from Germany and they have spent 10 years perfecting this art. It's a premium product. You're gonna pay $25 a bottle. Well, sorry, that's Canadian. You might pay like maybe 18 to 20 in the US for a bottle yeah. of lights. And that is absolutely worth every penny because you're you're drinking a premium product and adding, elevating your experience. It's elevating your evening and it doesn't taste like grape juice. It mm-hmm. has, it, it's not, it's not a hundred percent a Riesling because there's no alcohol in it, but it's pretty darn close. And it's a beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful opportunity to like sit and relax with a, with a meal and have something that's really elevated. So, um, you know, that's, uh, I think you're right about what price would you pay for that experience? And yeah. usually it's going to be, you know, you, you'll, people who want to give up drinking, a lot of them are like, I'll pay anything. Just help right. me stop. I just don't want to drink anymore. So right. this is the cost. This is the cost. <laughs> yes. Well, and I challenge people, you know, on my website, I have a free little alcohol calculator where you can actually calculate what you're spending um, monthly on alcohol currently. Like we're talking about, you know, cocktails out to eat and wine and all the things. And it's like, mm-hmm. when I first did that, I mean, boom, like I, wow, like that is a huge amount of money. And even if I just, you know, put that towards alcohol free stuff, I'm like, I'm not losing anything. Right. Like, you know, and so it was like, yeah, I think that was a big mindset shift for me too. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I will put all the links to all the ways that um, people can follow you, Sarah. I think, um, yeah, I think that that would really help support them through this whole journey and just get them to start thinking differently about this whole thing. You and I share a lot of the same I think thoughts around this, um, we're in the same space where, you know, we were never rock bottom. We were just like, I don't know. I don't think this thing's working for me anymore. And so we chose to make that decision to, to explore it. So that's all I ask. I'm like, just explore it. If you end up, you, you drink a glass of wine every night and you went from, from a entire bottle every night, that's a huge win, like progress over perfection. I think that's a huge win, Yeah, you know, so, so yeah. So, you know, I think when, when people look at it, they're afraid, I was afraid because I was like, I don't know if I want to quit forever. And so I was like, that just stopped me from doing anything. And I'm like, when I got into the mindset of, I don't have to know what's next. All I have to know is I'm going to take a 30 day break and I'm going to check in and see where I'm at then. Yeah. Um, forever is a and, long, uh, yeah. long time. Don't say forever. Don't say forever. For sure. Cause and I still don't say yourself. that. I still don't say I won't drink forever. I, I have no idea. Yeah. I have absolutely I, no I idea. Might, I might drink when I'm like 92 and like on my deathbed <laughs> and then there's nothing <laughs> there holding me back. Right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I that's, I don't know. that's fair. Don't know. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Maybe oh, we'll want to yeah. like, you know, not feel good and, and you know, yeah, it'll be fine. So yeah, whatever. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. Rachel, well, thank this you so was much great. for having me on yeah. today. It was so fun chatting with you. Yeah, I really appreciate the time. And like I said, I'll connect to all the ways that people can connect to you and we'll stay in touch. I just, I think, I think I found a friend. So yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye. If you were listening to Sarah and I talk and you want to be where we are at, but you are currently in discovery mode. You're figuring out what it is you want your relationship to look like with alcohol and you don't exactly know where to start. I have a couple of options for you. So you can take a 14 day break where I'll start to give you some of this guidance through some of these mindset shifts that Sarah and I talked about, or you can jump in with both feet and do a 90 day break and you can join my drink less, live more program. So those are all on my website at rachelpritz.com. So check those opportunities out. 
What I like to tell clients is that you don't have to quit forever. We actually don't know if quitting forever is something that you really want because you haven't explored it. So we have to have that break time to be able to get really clear about what it is we want. I never intended to quit drinking forever when I first started. I just wanted to take a break and I wanted to take that sort of one experience at a time. And I still occasionally drink, but quite frankly, I have very little desire to drink. So keep that in mind. You don't have to know what's next. Just commit to a break or commit to this experiment, we will call it. And that's all you have to know right now. We'll, we'll learn as we go. We are still all learning.